she she actually she likes the rival team that I can't stand. She's a huge New York Rangers fan, and I'm a, a New Jersey Devils fan. And so for me to uh, associate with the Rangers in any way, shape, or form is is not really acceptable. And she had a Henrik Lundqvist jersey, who's like their star goalie. And uh, she made this bet that if she could beat me, the next time we went out together, I'd have to wear this jersey for an entire day. And I agreed to it because I'm not going to get more fun. My wife, who happens to my girlfriend, and she would always come over and hang out and advise by whatever. You know, she you know, sometimes watching stuff. But uh, she loved hockey. She started really getting into hockey right when we started dating. And so she decided that she wanted to play me at, uh, I think it was NHL 10. And we played a couple times, and I booked her pretty bad. And I told her I was going easy on her. And so one, we, we worked together, and we were chatting at work one day. And she says, you know, I really think I can take you. And I said, I bet I could probably beat you 20 to nothing if I really gave it my all. So she comes over that night. And um, it's funny, afterwards now, she claims that she, she was drinking and that she was under the influence, and this is why things didn't go so well, which I call BS on. But uh, things start out pretty pretty ugly, I guess, for her. And I think after the first period, it was probably eight or nine to nothing. And so I decided to just keep bringing it and bringing it. And I wasn't really paying attention to her. I was just doing my thing because I wanted to score 20 goals and not thinking about the, re- the consequences of that. It was about 15 or 16 nothing, in about middle of the third period. And I look over, and she's just crying. There's just tears. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, I, I should just, you know, let's stop. So I pause the game. And she's like, no, don't pause it. Keep going. I'm like, no, let's just stop. This, you know, this was not obviously what I was intending to uh, cause here. And she says, no. She goes, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> she goes, I just want to beat you. So I keep going. Final score was 18 nothing. And uh, so according to her, I, I technically lost, even though I won the game 18 nothing because I assured her I'd win by 20. But uh, so she then but goes out and buys an Xbox 360 and picks up the copy of the game and proceeds to just relentlessly practice and practice and practice and just determined to beat me. And so then she watches me play online. She's, I mean, it was pretty cool, actually. She was really studying how I was playing the game, my, my strategies and things I do to, to win. And I think it took her about, I want to say, close to six months. But we, she finally started playing uh, not well enough to beat me, but starting to get competitive. And then one day we orchestrated a little bet Um where if I lost, she she actually she likes the rival team that I can't stand. She's a huge New York Rangers fan, and I'm a, a New Jersey Devils fan. And so for me to uh, associate with the Rangers in any way, shape, or form is, is not really acceptable. And she had a Henrik Lundqvist jersey, who's like their star goalie. And uh, she made this bet that if she could beat me, the next time we went out together, I'd have to wear this jersey for an entire day. And I agreed to it because I figured I'm, I'm going to whip her butt. No big deal. So... We start our game. We're just, you know, it's it's a pretty tight game, and I was winning four to four to two, and then she scored a goal, and there was probably about two three minutes left in the game, and I decided I would let up a little bit, just I don't know why I did, but I just did, and so she tied it, so we're we're in overtime, and I'm thinking, okay, I got this, it's no big deal, no big deal at all. So, as luck would have it for me. She just takes some ridiculously lame shot from very far out. And for some reason, my goalie just decides he's not stopping it. 
goes in, she wins, she's jumping for joy, she's all excited, freaking out, and of course, you know, I have to honor the bet, and so everywhere I go, wearing this shirt as we go out, all I hear is about how Rangers suck, how can you wear that, you're disgusting, all sorts of obscenities, someone actually slammed a door in my face at a gas station, uh, that was good times, um, but what was really interesting too is how she continued to just improve and improve at this game, and now this is five years after this and I think what's really cool now is not only is she competitive at this game but she can now whoop my butt on a regular basis and so I, I think it's really cool to see how A she really was so competitive and really wanted to get better at it and she did get better at it and it was really cool too because it, it was really something that we did all the time and still do now although maybe not as much now that she beats me so much but uh, it kind of brought us closer together and I thought it was really cool to how a video game you know, kind of brought two, not really brought two people together, but gave two people something really cool to do together and, and, and created such an intense rivalry. And uh, I think that was something that, in, in for me, was something really special about video gaming and, and something special that video games can do and how they can, the competitiveness can bring people together in good ways and bad. And in this instance, it was good, other than the fact that she can now uh, destroy me on a regular basis. But uh, that's probably one of my personal... Uh, favorite video game memories is, is is that and now what's really cool is she'll play online and she will just destroy people and so what we started to do then is we decided we would team up together play online together against other people and it's interesting because her and I play completely different styles and so it took us a, a while to mesh together but uh, we actually end up doing pretty well together online too and so until EA decided to take out co-op play in this year's hockey for whatever reason uh, that was something, too, that we shared together that was really cool. So hopefully that's something that they will bring back in the future. But uh, probably one of my all-time favorite video game moments would be uh, would be that with her. So if I asked you uh, lessons learned? Um, when you make a bet, um, play to win, and uh, <laughs> don't let up for a second because uh, the CPU might let you down which it did for me. <laughs> now, you know, I uh, am an adult in this world, and I didn't used to be an adult, but uh, I've said, I think, repeatedly to anyone who would listen that I'm fairly certain I have some amount of autism, Asperger-ish uh, you know, characteristics. And you know those people, like adults, who take things really seriously, and like when they play a game, it doesn't matter if they're playing with a four-year-old they're still going to play to win. Yeah. You know those yeah. kind of people? Yeah, I'm one of them. Yeah, Most times. yeah, me too. So I was just playing wiffle ball this weekend with some neighbors and my neighbor's kids and some other kids from the neighborhood. And uh, for whatever re- reason, I, I was the pitcher for our team. I'm not a pitcher in general, but I pitched reasonably well to, to make the game work. And I got my my friend's like six year old or maybe eight year old. I don't, I don't know how old he is. He's young, but he's not so young that he can't like swing a bat and run. Right. So I got him out at some point. And then the very next time he was up, I got him out again. Uh, and then one of the other adults, you know, caught his next fly ball. So the kid just kept getting out, not even getting on base. And I could tell this was upsetting him. And so I realized like, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. I'm an adult here. All the other adults are letting the kids, you know, easing up a little bit, 
um, letting them get to base, being slow about whatever. So now I should pick up that cue. And uh, anyway, I was... Did a part of you die inside? I mean, there was one time where, like, I I said that I caught his ball, his, like, I, I caught a ball to get him out twice. I think that only happened once. And then another time, like, a little, one of the other little kids, maybe playing first base or whatever, threw the ball to me in order to get someone out, uh, like, as they were going towards home base. And so, like, I got the ball and, like, I was on the ground and I sort of rolled around and quickly lunged at the kid. And that's the second time I got this kid out. And uh, so I guess at some point he did actually make it to base. But anyway, I got him out and I was like, I totally, like, I just turned and I didn't even know it was going to be him. But I just turned and I just went full force at him, uh, not like hitting him or anything, but in terms of like speed and with the intention of getting him out. And I was like, oh, bummer, right? Like this, we keep doing this, hurting the kid's feelings and stuff. And then eventually right at the end of the game, I, I felt like I was accomplished, like I had won the game because... I realized as a normal, healthy adult with normal emotions and awareness of a situation that I should delay throwing the ball to first base a few seconds in order to let this child who had not gotten to base very often, let him just barely get to first base. And so even though the game was tied in the end, uh, you know, on Easter Sunday, and I had taken this kid out several times, uh, I felt like I won because I had overcome this incredible <laughs> autism of, of playing to win. Now so, I have one other question for you. Yeah. You, uh, you said that you would be forced to wear this Jersey for an entire day. And I guess no, that turned out poorly for you. It did not pan out well. Yeah. Now what would have happened if you had won? I actually, I didn't make a bet with her in return. I just said, I'm, I'm going to win. It's no big deal. Okay. And I don't think I I don't recall putting anything on on the line for her for some reason or another. An economist would tell you that that is a bad wager. Yeah, I you know I but see I take pride in just winning. I like to just win. So I I don't think I was necessarily concerned with uh, any type of reward out of the bet. It just just winning was really all that mattered to me. The irony here is that you might say to yourself, well. It will strengthen our relationship as we continue to play together. And, you know, if I win, she'll think strongly of me. But in truth, she probably would just be upset with you. And then things would go even more poorly for you. If you won. You know what's funny about her is when I play online, she, she takes, especially before she beat me, she would take such joy in the times that I would lose. Like, you know, when I would watch her play online, right, I would cheer for her. I would say, oh, you know, I would, even, I would try to be a nice person, a gentleman, if you will, giving, say, hey, you should try this. This guy's pinching this way a lot. You know, you might be able to do, you know, different things to break that. No, and she wouldn't listen to me. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But yet, if I was losing, she would just revel in it. And I was like, you know, how about some support? I'm like, you know, I cheer for you, right? But if I play online, man, she would just revel if I would lose. Well, I guess I guess that shows you guys have a strong bond. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely a, a very competitive bond. We're very competitive in anything we do together. If it's some type of sport, you know, like if we're doing something outdoors, you know, we we want to win. So I think actually it's going to uh, transcend well to our daughter, who we want to be a competitive, strong-willed person. 
but what's funny is I ask myself, kind of like how you were in that situation you're in, like when she starts playing video games, if we're playing something competitive, am I going to go easy on her? Am I going to let her win? Or am I going to crush her? I, I don't know how I'm going to cross that bridge yet. Yeah, that's a hard decision. But I could tell you that the lesson I learned while listening to your story is that you essentially found every gamer's dream girl. Uh, because she went from not knowing how to play a game to dedicating herself to kicking your ass. And I can't think of anything more admirable in in the mate of a gamer. Yeah, she's she's very competitive. Like, And she, uh, there was another time we played with a bunch of people over and she, uh, she whipped my ass pretty hard. It was like six to one or something. I don't know what happened. I just collapsed. And all in front of all my friends too, and they're just like really. And then so she played them, and she just proceeded to mow them down too, which which was kind of nice because then it shut them all up. You know. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go to break now. Uh, for all of our listeners, this is Joe Pinsky, a fan of the show and storytelling machine, uh, a man, not a machine. Anyway, we'll be right back. tell you what just happened to me me and joe sort of like this past like week week or two so um i was at i i've mentioned recently how i'm selling this artwork right and so i've got some of the artwork of um jeffrey gersten we did this video game art stuff that you can see on our on our facebook page um i have this in a gallery in denver and while i was at that gallery for a first Friday art event in March. So, you know, just over a month ago. Obviously, I'm talking about video games with some of the people who come in to look at the artwork because the video game art that I have on the wall tells the story that I love games, right? And this one guy starts talking to me about, you know, if I have a Wii U, and I'm like, of course, I have everything. He says, you really got to get Captain Toad. And I had obviously heard of Captain Toad, and I played, it, you know, the mini games in Super Mario 3D World, but I had not... Um, I had not actually bought the game and I just, I had some real skepticism about whether or not it was going to be a great game all by itself, but he insisted it would be good. And on that recommendation alone and a lack of new games in my life, uh, and the assumption that it would be an easy game to pick up and play it with short amounts of time, which is what my life is like these days. I thought to myself, yes, I will get this game. And I remembered I'd gotten a gift card that was good enough to buy the game, uh, from Best Buy recently. So I went down there and I got the game. Now, of course, when you bring home a Nintendo game, you think to yourself, I'm sure everyone does this, uh, I need to go put this game code, my pin, into Club Nintendo to make sure I get points for it, especially because Club Nintendo is shutting down at the end of June. So I open up the case and I look for this code and it's nowhere to be found. And I'm like, are these sneaky devils crazy enough to put it on the actual like slipcase cover on the, the inside of the cover art? Because you can see something written there through the 
Wii U games have like the recycled symbol actually etched out so the DVD case is not solid. And so you could see some writing on the back side of the cover art. And I slide it out, and there it is, the pin for the game. So I go over to, to Club Nintendo, and I put that in before I even start playing the game. And I notice a big warning that says, the last chance you have to gain coins for Club Nintendo, which is how you get stuff, is March 31st. So as I just said a minute ago, it was the end of June, but I was wrong. The end of June is when you can cash in the coins, but the last day you can actually put game codes in in order to obtain coins is the end of March, March 31st. And this was like March 28th or something. So I realized, crap, I do not have enough. And they have a really cool prize, this like messenger bag, black on black with a, a Zelda theme on it. I think it's from Majora's Mask. And so I say to myself, as I tend to do, I need that thing for no good reason whatsoever. Uh, so I am going to go on the Facebook and ask people for codes because, you know, I don't have any other means other than actually paying for a bunch of games that I don't want to play or can't play right now. So I go on Facebook and I ask chatterboxers for codes and one person steps up and that was totally awesome, even though I already had the game and couldn't use the code. Um, and then I asked other people and, uh, and I only have like two days for this. And of course the website is now getting pounded by everybody doing the same thing last minute trying to enter codes. And so like, a couple days before this happened, before the very end of it, which is basically where the story starts, I contact Joe, the very Joe that you just heard from. And I was like, hey, Joe, do you do Club Nintendo? And he's like, no, I don't do that at all. I don't know anything about it. And I said, well, dear friend, I bet you have things like consoles and other stuff uh, with codes that you can give me. And he, like a true gentleman, goes scouring through his house and finds the box to an old Nintendo 3DS he doesn't even have anymore and some other games. And he gives me these codes and I start entering some of them. And I, to make a longer story, less long, I'm trying to put these codes in for basically an entire day and they won't work because Club Nintendo's website is just getting hammered. Eventually I get some stuff in and another friend gave me some codes and I had, uh, I put all of these in and two of them ended up like getting accepted by Nintendo, but not, giving me so every time you put a, a game code in you don't get the coins right away what it does is it triggers a survey and when you take the survey you get the coins and so these two games went into my like game catalog but the surveys never appeared and so i ended up just short 60 coins out of 800 short 60 coins of my goal of 800 and the games i'd put in that did not prevent present surveys to me were worth 110 coins so I emailed, you know, tech support at Nintendo to be like, hey, this is what's going on. Can you help me out? And the next day, which is April 1st, the day after, when you can no longer enter this stuff. Um, oh, wait a minute. I got to step back. Got to step back. This is the best part of the story. So I have uh, Joe who's given me some codes and another friend who's given me some codes. A lot of them are for games I already have, like, you know, Mario 3D World and New Super Mario's U and stuff. So... Uh, I have these codes I can't use, but I figure Reddit will have a place where you can trade codes. Lo and behold, it has exactly that, a subreddit for people to trade codes. And uh, so I'm trying to trade codes like ever since I get home that day, I'm trying to trade codes. And I found one guy who had a code for Smash Brothers, and I didn't have Smash Brothers. So he gave me his code, but I, all day I'd been trying to trade codes with people, and they're like, it didn't work, it didn't work. And I don't know what the heck's going on with the website. It tells you the codes don't work when they really do because it's it's that broken. 
So I gave him my code. This is literally 20 minutes before midnight when it's going to shut down or maybe 25 minutes. I give him the code and he's like, are you trying to screw me? It's not working, right? I was like, no, I haven't used your code yet. Don't worry. You can hold on to it. And then a few minutes later, he's like, oh, sorry, dude. Sorry. Like it's the Christmas miracle. It showed up. You could totally go use my code. This is 15 minutes after I gave it to him. So it's now 1150. There are 10 minutes left. And so I go to Nintendo's website again, because you're constantly refreshing it because it logs you out every three seconds because it's so hammered. I go to to load it up and you get that there's a page with mario being like oh hey maintenance sorry and it was that way for like the next nine hours like i went to bed eventually but uh even the next day it's still even right now i think i haven't tried it today but like even just yesterday it was hard to get into and uh, yesterday by the way was the sixth so uh, bottom line is i got a 60 coin code from this guy and the difference of like three minutes meant that I couldn't even get into the website to try to enter the code, to try to get a survey, to try to answer a survey. And uh, so I was, I like to say I was 10 minutes out of getting it to work. So I had to rely 100% on them being nice enough to give me the coins based on the stuff I'd entered previously that didn't give me codes or surveys. Anyway, it all worked out because in the end, they did come through and they did give me those 110 coins. And I did order the damn message bag, which will arrive in two to five months, Um, which is a long time. But thanks to Joe and some other very kind people, it worked out for me. And I have a friend who is a Nintendo rep, and I explained the story to her. And she's like, listen, even if it doesn't work out, don't worry about it. I'll find something to trade you for that bag. And I was like, listen, it is not, it's not about the bag. It's about the journey. This whole thing, it was a game. And I needed to know that I won the game through whatever means. And I did, I think. I don't know what the rules are for winning in the game that's in my head, but I think I won. And maybe when I get that bag, I'll feel it. But right now, I just feel like I overcame. So, so I have one question for you about that. Yes. If you don't get that bag, do you feel as if you've lost the said game? I'm confident that I will because it's been ordered and Nintendo in the past has come through with Nintendo Club stuff. But, you know, if it never shows up, I still I still do feel the accomplishment, uh, which is silly because in truth, it was just an incredible expenditure of both time and worry for if I don't get the bag, what is literally nothing, no value. Was this bag something you really wanted? Like, did, did you eye up this bag like months prior and go, oh, I really want that? Or is it just because you knew it was shutting down, you wanted to get the most expensive no, item? I did not know it existed until I put in the Captain Toad code and saw, well, what can I get for these coins? How many coins should I want to have? And it showed up as the highest value prize. And I was like, wait a second, that doesn't suck. Because in the past, they've had really cool prizes, like unique stuff. That, and they, they make a point that you can only get these things through Club Nintendo. You can't buy them. Obviously, you can get them on eBay and stuff because other people sell theirs. But you can't get them through any official channel uh, except this one. So, because that sounds like a pretty cool thing. Why are they discontinuing this? Uh, I'm sure it comes down to money. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, expense in terms of uh, people who maintain the website and maintain just, you know designing products and 
creating products through the people that actually create these things and shipping them out because everything is free shipping. Um, so I guess they decided that the incentive it creates for people to buy new games uh, is not good enough. Um, and that's actually, you you see that in uh, another another part of this is, so you have coins that you can buy stuff with, but if you have collected 300 coins in a calendar year, which well, not a calendar year, but in the Nintendo Club year, which is July 1st to June 30th, um, if you've gotten 300, then you're deemed an elite status member uh, at the gold level. And if you collect 600 coins in that same year, then you're an elite status member with platinum privileges. And so they would have gold. You can just pick. It's not a coin at that point. So like you can use your coins for whatever, but you also get the any one of multiple gold prizes, or if you're platinum, any one of multiple gold or platinum prizes. And those are usually these especially cool things that, again, you can't get through any other channel. And obviously they're more limited because it's only the people who achieve that level. And uh, if you look at the gold and platinum rewards this year, they are 100%, no exception, downloadable games. Um, So 3DS games, Wii U games, or Wii games that are for the Wii U, um, you know, download. So they've removed, obviously, the shipping component of the platinum and gold prizes. And so you can tell that part of the reason they're abandoning this is because of the difficulty in producing and shipping the the prices. In other words, management of the program, the the cost portions of the the program management. So, um, at least those are the lines that I'm reading between. And uh, so I I'm sad that they're getting rid of it. And I supposedly they're going to create something else to sort of fill that void of loyalty program. But I'm not aware. I don't. Like, I didn't actually watch the Nintendo Direct that happened on April 1st, uh, so I don't know if they announced something new then, uh, but it would have been a good time for them to do that. So I don't think they did, and I know that my Nintendo rep friend, who I spoke to on the 31st, um, she may have been lying to me because she can't tell me, but what she said was that, yes, they say they're going to do something else, but they haven't told us what it is yet. Uh, And I believe her just because Nintendo's like that they probably wouldn't share it because they know that it would get out yeah they're pretty Um, pretty secretive yeah but that's that's the claim right now and i haven't heard of anything replacing it so what's funny is like through this act they're going to essentially shut down a subreddit because that reddit was that subreddit was dedicated to the trading of these codes and those even the codes you get for the downloadable games obviously will be useless after june Mm. um so that whole subreddit has to go away unless they create something that is uh a replacement and also involves, you know, tradable codes. It's a shame to see stuff like this go away because there's not a lot of it left anymore where you, know, you can get cool little swag swag and neat little collectible items. Like I remember like 15, wow, so long ago, 15, 20 years ago when I worked for GameStop, you know, we used to get so much cool promotional merchandise and little things to give away. And like, you, you don't really see that now. Now you just extra levels and games and stuff you don't see the cool collectibles like you used to it's a real shame see i feel the other way i feel that the there has been a greater access to these collectibles except that they're contained within a deluxe and limited edition version of games like japan always did that and people in america who were gamers and knew about that were jealous about it um but then they realized in america we want that crap too right whatever bobblehead dolls or books art books and things um we want those too so they started releasing limited edition here and what's interesting is that now that they're available they are less appealing to me (laughs) and 
that's just natural psychology. It happens to everybody, but I'm so aware of it. Like, well, now that I could just buy that, you know, uh, Master Chief helmet, I don't want it as much. <laughs> and that's what that's what makes the Nintendo Club so appealing is that you can't just buy this stuff. It's got to be something else. And, you know, the fact that I was able to achieve this without actually buying things by just completely mooching off of my friends and dear listeners uh, made it even more of a game for me. No, I can see that. Yeah. So you gave up your things to give to me. So that's very kind of you. Oh, no problem. Yeah. I, I definitely did not have enough to catch in to really get anything worthwhile, I'm sure. So No, just crap, crappy downloadable games. That's pretty much it. Um, all right. So we've got time for, for one, more, one more story, and I think you've got one to tell. I, I do. This one, a little bit different, uh, not so competitive, a little more cooperative. A um, long time ago, probably when I was like, I don't want to say anywhere, but probably like 8 and 12 years old. Me and my uncle, we used to game together all the time. And sometimes we were really engulfed in like single-player games. And two of them that really stand out uh, is XCOM UFO Defense, which we played on PC. Are you, are you familiar with that at all? I'm not actually familiar with XCOM, aside from the fact that I know it's a game that people play. And for instance, my brother's really into it. But I've never played an XCOM, XCOM game to really understand what it is. Turn-based strategy, uh, basically, not where you control each individual like little soldier and you send them out on these little like missions where you uh, go to like UFO crash sites or alien bases and then you research their technology and kind of stuff like that. And uh, the other one is a little Genesis game called Herzog's Y. Are you familiar with that at all? Uh, sort of, but I think only because you've mentioned it in the past. Okay. I, I know R is a big fan of this game, so if he listens to this, he'll uh, he'll appreciate uh, this meta game we created within the game. That is the game that's like Sega Genesis, horizontal split screen, and each player yes. gets one half. Okay. Yes. Um, I'll start with Herzog first. So, g- generally, the way you would play this multiplayer really is just you know it's versus whoever destroys the other person's main base first. That's it. You know, and then that was the game. But we, we kind of got bored with that after doing it for so many times. And so we were trying to think of what could we do to, to make this more interesting. So what we would do is uh, the way the game worked is over time, your money, like every every second, you, your money would just uh, increase exponentially over time. And the more like little sub-bases you conquered, that amount would grow. So we would each conquer uh, the sub-bases in an even amount, so our money would both grow at the same time. And so what we would do then is one of us would just build up a massive defense, just just massive. And then the other one would just mount this an absurd offense. And we would just, you know, whoever was building up the offense, or you would just send it, invade, and just basically, you knew, you knew if you were on the defensive side you were going to lose, it was just a question of how long you could hold out for. And so we kind of just made like this endurance game of, you know, if you were the one on the defensive, how long could you, how long could you hold out for before you'd eventually, you know, lose everything you have. And uh, we kind of created some pretty epic matches that way. And it's funny to this day that anytime we talk about the game, that's all we really ever talk about is just those epic moments we had of just, you know, some one, one time one of us, I think we survived for like over an hour, which was pretty, if you've played the game or anyone who has played the game and understand that's just r- ridiculous. But uh, what we would do with XCOM, we really enjoyed playing the game, but of course there was no multiplayer aspect to it. So what we would end up doing was you could name your soldiers. You could pretty much edit anything in the game. And so you typically ran with a squad of eight people. So since it was turn-based and there was 
you, you could just you know move the mouse freely between one person to another. I would control four people. He would control four people. And we would just kind of play it that way together. So we were kind of as cool because instead of just, you know, sitting there watching someone play the game for hours on end, you know, because it was single player, we found a way to turn a single player game into a cooperative game. And uh, it was pretty cool because we probably spent, I want to say about a month going through that game because it was so huge and so long to get through. Uh, we eventually beat the game together, which was I thought was really a really fun thing to do, and uh, it's again something that you know twenty some years later we still talk about. In fact, we were just reminiscing about this last week together and saying how we should uh, play those again. And so we were talking next time we hang out, we're gonna get some food and just you know go just play them again and kind of I guess in a way kind of reminiscing uh, the nostalgia of it. But uh, it was something that uh, that we did all the time. It was really fun, I think. And I always get a, a kick out of turning single-player games or something that's not necessarily that's not necessarily meant to, for it to be played that way, but kind of putting a twist on that on a game in particular and kind of giving it new life. Yeah, I have a memory of this when I was a child. It was just I mean, it was just a one-player game of handing off, you know, between each death or whatever. So that's not exactly terribly meta but uh i would do this with castlevania with someone who was a friend of mine at the time one of those friends who turned out to be a total asshole later in life you know so <laughs> like i i've tried to look him up in adult life to see like how horribly his life has turned out uh or if he's still alive i i can't actually find any record of him i can find like his mother and uh that's it so i don't know if he's dead or just in such poverty or like non tech state that he avoids the internet in all ways stays off the grid so anyway aside aside from him being a total douche um when we were kids i didn't feel that way and um we would play castlevania and we would always get up like to the grim reaper level which is the second to last level and sometimes we would get to the grim reaper but never beat him i think one time one of us beat him and we got like one life in the dracula level the next one and that was it and uh I could never do that on my own, but it was just something we did. And like, we would just play over and over, you know, like you sleep over Friday night and you just play all night. And, uh, that's when I think about my childhood gaming, that's something that happened enough, like repeatedly that it actually sticks out of my head as a nostalgic moment. Otherwise, like I can't, I just don't remember any cooperative, like working with my friends sort of elements in, in games where I, it was so repeated that it it actually formed a memory for me. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I played a lot of games with my friends, but this one sticks out as like, that was a thing we did over and over and over, just like you're describing. And it was like our thing. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't have that, I think, in any other way as, well, it, as it relates to games. And I think one thing, too, that, you know, if this was today, that might not even be possible with, with, with online gaming being so big and... You know, I, I think there's something... I mean, don't get me wrong, online gaming is awesome because it lets you connect with people that, you know, you may not be able to. Like, for a long time, a friend of mine was down south and, you know, we used to play hockey and, and soccer all the time. And when he moved, you know, that obviously wouldn't have been possible for us to continue if we didn't have, you know, the online gaming. But I do think there's something to be said for getting a group of people together. And I think it just creates moments that can't not really be replicated online. Like, you know, Mario Party. Like, would you rather play Mario Party online with, with four of your friends or have everyone over together? You know, it's, I don't think that's something that, that can be replicated online. 
Yeah, and there's this like subculture of creating multiplayer games uh, for you know that have to be played together in the same location, and uh, I really like that, and that's what Sports Friends is actually. Um, I've I've talked about that many times before. I don't know if you've ever actually played it. But I never did. That was the theme behind Sports Friends is a game that has to be played in in person, right, with your friends, uh, and so they intentionally made it you know not online at all. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's scoreboards or anything even online. It's just simply a game you play together uh, with up to like, I don't know how many people, four people or something. Or Well, in the case of Johann Sebastian Joust, seven people. But, I've always wanted to play that. Yeah, and it was a good game. It's a very good game. Anyway, um, I like I like that. And there's actually, lately I keep looking at the uh, Jackbox, which is a collection of like five or six games, and thinking how I wish... I lived the life I lived a few years ago when, so like when I was going to school second time around at the university of, you know, advancing technology, uh, where we had lots of gamers around and we would get together all the time and play games. Like that would be perfect. Uh, but now I'm an adult in a new state. So I don't have a ton of friends and all the friends I do have, like have kids or jobs or whatever, totally lame. Uh, and I have my kid and a job and am totally lame. So, these things don't happen as much. Uh, but I, I am waiting for the day when I get some people over and it's like, hey, let's play a game. Or we, we have the time to actually do that. And then I'll break out this great game. People are like, oh, my God, I didn't know this existed. This is great. We should do this again, right? Uh, but right now it's, you know, it's all Cheerios and vomit <laughs> in my life. That's, that's what my life has become right now, So, which is great. Because soon I'm going to be able to play games with the kid, uh, but the Cheerios and vomit. I, mean, I don't know. I yeah. could I could skip if that you part. Could, yeah, if you could skip that part till they're about five, right? And then you could begin the gaming. Like I, I have my daughter's gaming education completely planned out already. I've spent I spent time thinking about this before she was even born. Like, yeah, yeah, me too. How, how what is her first game going to be? What's funny is actually her very first game had already kind of happened. Uh, she her first controller she ever held was a Genesis controller, and she was messing around with uh, Rocket Knight Adventures, and it was really cool. I, I actually recorded it on my phone as it was happening because it was so neat. When she realized that when she pressed the button, the little uh, dude on the screen was jumping, and when she realized she was making that happen, there was just this like look on her face. It was just priceless when she realized she was making that happen, and it, it was just so awesome. And I can't wait till she gets a little older and gets an even better understanding of how this stuff works and gets to experience it. And another reason I want to start her off with a lot of older stuff, and this is kind of a quick sub-rant, is I feel that not just culture today, but especially in video games, everything just seems to be handed to you now. There's so much of the challenge has been removed, and I, I kind of want her to get that sense of overcoming a challenge and feeling like she earned like you know the achievement of beating something difficult versus just playing some game that gets either progressively easier if you keep failing or whatever like i i think uh i think that you can instill a valuable life lesson early uh instilling that in in someone where they want to overcome a challenge instead of just having an accomplishment handed to them yeah i definitely plan to uh I have like I have this progression. I don't know like what the first game is. It's probably going to be Mario Brothers, right? But um, in general, I just know that I I want him to play. You know, we're going to start with NES, and then we'll go to Super Nintendo. And if someone gives me enough of a good argument to have him actually bother with a Genesis, oh, I could uh, do you, that. 
yeah, you might be the man. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll do that. And I, I don't have the, I'm not delusional enough to think that he'll never play a different game because iPads exist and road trips exist. And that's, I mean, that's that. The kid's going to play some stupid touch game an angry on an iPhone or an iPad. Crap. Yeah, but there's going to be a point where they say, okay, now it's time to step up to big boy games and play the real thing, and here's how we're going to start. Uh, and I very much look forward to that day, and it will be glorious. Absolutely. But it's like six years away. Yeah, least. unfortunately. But so. it's going to be it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see how... You know, because I also want her to have like an appreciation for the older stuff. I, I don't know. I, to me, that's important. Yeah, my my only concern is that he will at some point see me playing games, which are modern. And then when I say, "Oh, you want to play a game? Let me pull up the stuff that works for you," and it's going to be you know Super Mario Brothers. It's going to be a step down, and maybe he's going to be will... like, "What the heck is this?" Exactly. Right. I play and... a lot of retro stuff, so I'm hoping that I can avoid that issue. Like I. I play Genesis stuff, NES stuff all the time. So I'm hoping that, you know, she'll see that I played enough too, that she won't get like discouraged or be like, Oh, well, you know, you're, why am I playing this when you're playing Bloodborne? You know? Yeah. What I've just realized is that you and I have to now go play IDARB together. I don't know if you've even bothered I've never with heard that. of that. Uh, so you have an Xbox one or a PS4? PS4. That's the problem. Okay. Well, Whatever, fine. I guess if, we won't be playing IDARB. If something ever comes out for the Xbox One that I think's worthy, I'd get one, but I'm just not impressed with it at all. I suspect that IDARB is available for PS4, except it was uh, free with gold on Xbox One, which is why I have it. Oh, okay. um, I feel like it is the modern yet totally retro recreation of NBA Jam. Because, I mean, it tries really hard to be reminiscent of NBA Jam, but um, your character is not really, but it's essentially a pixel. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so it's very different in presentation. It intentionally looks like an Atari 2600 game, but moves like a modern game and has like sound effects like NBA Jam, right? Uh, Very reminiscent of that. And it's a game that is clearly uh, derived from sports games because it's like, the character has to grab onto the ball, which is another pixel, uh, or collection of pixels um, that are not high resolution, and uh, get the ball into the opposing goal. And then there's like a timeout box. So it's like, it's definitely a mix between like hockey and basketball made for the 2600, but moving at 60 frames, you know, so. Uh, I will check it out. Yeah, you should at least go to YouTube or, or something and, and look at it. Uh, or Twitch these days. You can just watch people playing games live. That's a thing. Yeah, I I have a hard time with that for some reason. I, I've messed with it a few times, and I'm like, why am I watching someone else play? But Yeah, there are reasons. Usually it's when people start talking that I'm like, yeah, this is, this is enough for me. Yeah. All right, well, with that, I am going to call a close to the evening. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to say to the crowd or anything you want to promote before we go? Uh, not really. Just a pleasure doing this with you. And hopefully we can do it again sometime. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Chatterbox Beta number one. Good night. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Hey, Chatterboxers. What did you think of this new storytelling format? Get on Facebook and let me know. And remember... 
all your base are belong to us.